And welcome to Pints and Politics. Pints and Politics is a weekly discussion program of all things political, coming to you through the facilities of Trent Radio, CFFF in Peterborough. 92.7 on your FM dial. My name is Bill Templeman. In addition to this radio show, Pints and Politics is streamed live from the Trent Radio website. We also have a podcast, pintsandpolitics.ptbopodcaster.ca. Joining me in the studio tonight is our illustrious panel, journalist and former mayor Sylvia Sutherland, uh, non-for-profit administrator by day, political order organizer by night, uh, Alyssa Paxton, playwright and math teacher Tim Etherton, and writer, editor, and communications consultant Donald Fraser. Welcome all. As tonight's show is all about yesterday's municipal uh, election in Peterborough, let's listen to a few opening moments of Diane Tarion's victory speech. Here we go. And it's not just Diane. I have a whole team behind me, and I'll introduce you to some of them in a minute. Is this my wand? No. Okay. So good evening, Peterborough. Thank you all so much for coming out tonight, and I appreciate you waiting through the delay. It was worth it. It was Okay, yeah, it was, right? It was worth it. It seems like a lifetime ago that I stood before you at Artspace, announced my candidacy for mayor. And on that night, I asked you to join me on this journey, higher towards a new direction for the city of Peterborough, to expect more from your municipal government. Yeah. And hey, you did deliver on that. Oh, barely 24 hours ago... uh, a little tangent here. What is that moment like? Sylvia, you've experienced a few of those. Yeah, it's a better moment than Daryl had last night. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it is actually the sweetest one for me in a way. Uh, was the, in 97 when I came back and, it, and I almost didn't believe that was happening. I remember driving to City Hall the next morning thinking, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just a, it, it, there's a moment I think of suspended belief practically that you know this 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 has taken place tim i really appreciate uh, sylvia bringing up the 97 campaign since i ran a campaign against her <laughs> and well you didn't win did you No, we didn't <laughs> and we didn't win because because uh we were running a, a slightly outside campaign and then all of a sudden the former mayor came in into the race late and i said words that i can't repeat on the radio and said there's no path to victory uh, sylvia probably doesn't remember because she was flush with victory actually was that i brought my candidate to your victory party that night Who so was your candidate? tony buell oh tony was a good candidate. no tony uh, i had a lot of respect for tony he uh, that that uh, he was a good fellow he was and, and uh, he would have made a fine addition to council it's too bad that year he didn't run i would have welcomed him to council it's <laughs> probably a good call <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay so what are our reactions to the new council what are the biggest surprises the biggest disappointments the floor is open. Donald. Uh, I, I walked around saying this last night over and over and over and over again. That last, last night was a statement. It was, it, it really truly was. And stepping away from the mayor's race for a second, it was a statement with Kim Zippel coming in first in her ward. It was a statement that was made with the election of, of Stephen Wright in Northcrest. It was, it was a massive statement across the board. And then, you take a look at the mayoral race, and, and that was uh, that was huge, huge, huge numbers. And this this wasn't just um, us, uh, you know, fighting over a little bit of turf. This this was, I think, a philosophical statement by the by the voters of Peterborough to say, "Wait a second, man, we we we've got to change how we're doing things. We got to slow down. We got to start thinking. We got to start planning. We got to start talking. We got to start listening." And uh, yeah, this. Uh, I, I was caught by surprise, and uh, but you know I I couldn't sleep last night afterwards. Well, I you know, and Tim, I actually thought of you as a playwright in terms of dramatic tension because when we all got there, there was this announcement. You know, the systems are down, results will be late. Then a team went up to negotiate at City Hall to extend it to nine o'clock. Then there was rumor they were going to extend it to ten o'clock. Then the rumors started flying that some towns were voting for another day. Fifty towns. Yeah, yeah, and it I think, was something. I think, I think so far all of these cities, uh, municipalities that had to wait a full day were the ones who had only phone and online voting. So folks did not have the option to go in person. 
Right. And what is that telling us? <laughs> Tim. Oh, and as a dramatic device, though, finally dropping the Internet, uh, the online votes in one big belch, uh, the mayor race was over at that point. Yes. Uh, uh, Diane Tarrant was up 6,000 votes, uh, and, it, and it was over. There was no way that uh, in-person voting that uh, – that uh, the former mayor Bennett was going to get 6,000 and make up that difference. So and, and you ask as a dramatic device, it, the tension was really good, but then they just they shot the climax. It went out way too quickly. <laughs> he is, by the way, still the mayor until... Okay. Yes, yes, yes. We uh, should, and, and you know that raises a point. We got some feedback here at Pines and Politics last week that uh, we all we we were referring on air to the female mayoralty candidate by her first name and the incumbent by his his family name. And then there was a debate on Facebook. Some people objecting to, well, do we, are we going to call her her worship? And yeah. my, my position was darn right we were going to call her. Yeah. I gladly called Sylvia her worship. In fact, it was one of my favorite things when I'd see her is, oh, you know, and I'd talk about her worship. And, I, you know, I'm a, maybe I'm a traditionalist, but that was, uh, I love it. Just a very, very quick anecdote about that. Uh, Bob Hall was on uh, those early councils with me and the later councils, in fact. And whenever we were not agreeing, he would say, your warship. And he, did, and he, didn't, he didn't realize for a while I actually got that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So biggest surprises. Alyssa. Uh, if we're talking about statements made, I think that we absolutely need to talk about the diversity. And uh, rep- uh, women's representation in politics is one of my passions. And so we doubled the number of women on council. Um, there's now 30% women, 36% women on our council. There's also now two people of color on our council, which was entirely white. Yes. So that's 18% as well, which I think might be over the – I didn't look at the stats about what the general population is, but I think that that's an incredible – and if we're talking about statements, that's an incredible step forward. Can, can we add age into that, that, that mix as well? So. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, I think a younger council, the last time we had four women on council was 1985. Oh, wow. And that was, uh, that was the last time. Uh, right. My first uh, council – there was Peg Leak, Peggy Leak, who had been on a previous council. There was Lois Hart Maxwell. There was Lynn Moyer as myself. And we never reached that again until yesterday. I'm not sure. I think the margin was certainly a surprise, but I don't think the results were as much of a surprise as some are saying. Uh, you know, I've been saying every time you, get, you put me in front of a mic, I say that the demographics in the city are changing. And it's been sort of moving under the surface, I think, to the mainstream narrative in this town. But it was detectable back in the 2014 municipal election. That there was a, a growing voter block and a growing association among uh, political activists in this town. Everyone got to know each other in 2014. Right. So, again, the margin of victory, I, I really did not expect, you know, Tarion to win by 40 points. Tom. Uh, I was I was talking to someone in in the mayor elects camp who uh, we were talking about the the uh, internet voting going down and and the fact that they were they were stressed and um, so I don't know man it's, <laughs> the margin is is for sure when we were sitting around the table uh, you know last time we we were together as a panel none of us were really all that eager to come out and and, and call uh, a mayor elect. Okay, just to my defense, I called Kim Zippel and Stephen Wright, though. <laughs> Sylvia. Uh, the, um, I, I wrote very little about this election in the column, and I, I didn't support yes. anyone in the column, and uh, partially because I was away for a month. But I did say in an early column that there was, there was the mood for change out there, there was, and you could sense it. And it was yes. – we sensed it in 85 for different – well, maybe for similar reasons because the previous council, the council that uh, Bob Barker, the second council Bob headed, was at each other's throats and people were fed up with it. Right. And I think there may have been an element of people not – of looking at the exiting council with the somewhat same eye. And also, if you look at elections everywhere, there there is a, a mood for change. Now, the interesting thing is the change in the other cases has been a populist right-wing mm-hmm. uh, movement, whereas here it, in fact, veered to the left. But you could sense it out there that people just wanted something different. Um, Sylvia, while, while we're on that, your closing words at the end of our last panel two weeks ago were – 
something to the effect of, no matter who wins, I pity the next council because they will have to deliver the service cuts brought on by Ford and Trudeau. Now, uh, no, I didn't say Trudeau. I said I said because it's more important the provincial, uh, the service cuts are generally for a municipality are from the provincial level. Provincial. I was there when I did not mention Trudeau, and but I was there when Harris right. started downloading on us. And we have three – a municipality in this country has th- only three ways of raising mm-hmm. funds. One is property tax. That's right. the big one. The other is user fees. The other are transfer payments. Right. Now, those transfer payments are going to dip again. Yes. And I wouldn't be surprised to see more services offloaded. And we've had a lot of promises in this, of things that people dream of doing. Yes. If I get there, I'm going to do this. Yes. Well, I have the feeling that there are a lot of those things – you know, might happen because of creativity and that, but a lot of them you're not going to be able to afford to do. This is going to be, I think, a very difficult ride because of the government at Queen's Park. Right. Donald. And, and so then we take a look at, at things like saying, okay, well, we, we want to put the brakes on a new subdivision being put over a, wet, a wetland or, you know, other, other, houses, other subdivisions being built, which are, you know, quick cash grab money generating things, which would help with some of the promises that we're doing. And so... There's body language going on in the studio, yeah, ladies no, and gentlemen. Uh, there's you, <laughs> you don't... Uh, you know, you... you, you uh, there are some things you you can legitimately use for as a revenue generator. There are other things such as building subdivisions over wetlands when it's been shown that this is going to be environmentally deg- environmental degradation uh, that you don't do. But there are there are things you can do, and just to defend yeah. uh, the uh, the two contra- really controversial issues of the last council, the casino and the uh, and the sale of of the, the generating uh, or the yes. generating the wires, right. they are going to help provide revenue to do some of the things that people want to do. All right, um, how long does this new council have before the honeymoon crashes to an abrupt end? I think Who's we might that? see uh, in their first battle with the government of Doug Ford. Right. Because if they're the underdog for the next four years, I think that people can keep cheering them on as long as they take up that challenge. Okay. Tim? I, I suppose it's a question we have to ask, right, because because we, we, we deal with such superficial perceptions in politics. But while I'm not as surprised by some of the so-called upsets in this election, I think the performance of this council is going to surprise people. You know, we were just discussing development in wetlands. And uh, Kim Zippel's a fairly unknown quantity in the greater city, but that's actually her specialty. I mean, she's kind of been pigeonholed as, you know, environmental activist. But, I mean, she's worked in nuclear plants, and she and her husband own, own a business that deals with industrial facilities. Uh, she really knows her stuff. She knows a lot about development and how to do it properly. And if you look at her website, she talked about uh, benefit to taxpayers and proper development to return money to the city. So I think the honeymoon, that's one thing. But I think people are going to be surprised by some of the new people on council and what new ideas and skills they bring to council. And wouldn't it be nice if we have an opportunity to focus on that rather than trying to figure out, you know, this really clumsy, arbitrary decision as to whether they're on the left or the right, because I think this council has a lot more sophistication than that. Well, um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, and it will be interesting. I think you have some very talented people on council. In fact, I attended the all-candidates meeting for town ward. And as I sat there and listened to the candidates, I concluded, you know, we're well off as I mean, it's whoever wins. And, 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 and I'm sure that was true in all the yeah. wards. Uh, I think, though, you're asking how long the honeymoon, I think, till they deal with the first budget. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and I uh, wrote in the Examiner a little while ago, 10 days ago, that um, yeah, it's a shame, uh, contrary to Doug Ford, uh, it's a shame we couldn't have more candidates. For example, I mean, it would have been so neat to see Zach Hatton on council. He did very well. He did he very did well. well. Oh, he, he got the, he sticks with it. Yes, and he got the same number of votes that uh, Stephen Wright did when Stephen ran the first yeah. time four years ago. Uh, I, I think, I, I think the honeymoon is going to last a bit, a little bit longer for, for one really good reason. I see debate coming out of this council and I see public debate coming out of this council and I see us being able to watch the decision making process in ways that we might not have been able to, uh, in, in, in recent years. Uh, 
I think that's going to keep people tuned in. Um, it's, mm. it's going to it's going to have people talking about issues because people are going to actually understand the issues at the level that council is discussing them, and and I think that's massive. And I think when they, when people actually see voices representing them in debate, that that that's something that's going to hold their attention. And if you if you're holding their attention, I think that that they're going to be a bit more enamored with you. Tim, sorry, I was just going to say I think I think we have to be aware that the narrative has has really changed. In, in local politics in a way that I think more established voices in this town haven't quite recognized. I think it's been changing for a long time. You know, the the issue that drove voters away from Bennett and the people around him was PDI uh, because the people who were most upset about PDI, whether well, I guess there were two camps, there were people upset because they wanted local ownership. There were people who just hate Hydro One. And I talked <laughs> about that in the summer. And I said that that was going to be a trouble because – you know, the people who supported it, you know, who sort of generally support Bennett were so upset about that. We saw it in other candidates that, that were sort of seen to be within that party. Uh, we're seeing past titans of the Peterborough political scene either going down a defeat. Um, Henry Clark placing second in a, just a narrow win over Jeff Westlake is another one. Uh, Henry Clark has mm-hmm. been a major figure and he's still going to be on council. He's still going to be an important figure, but you know, he was the guy who always got the most votes, and this time it's Dean Pappas who got the most votes as a council candidate. Sylvia, and uh, regarding Henry, it's interesting. Yes, he did. Uh, he did come second. He canvassed every street between himself and his wife Donna, every street in that ward. His wife was very ill just before the vote, so that slowed him down. He had a couple more to go. But I think the interesting thing with Henry, and there may have been others I haven't analyzed, he survived both his support of the Parkway. And a support of PDI, and he he did survive. And I think it's a very good thing, given the num- given the makeup of council. I think it's a very good thing that you have people such as Henry there. I can remember in '85 when <laughs> I, I am old, but you know when there were four people who had been on a previous council. I hadn't been on a council, and and there were six and there were six of the aldermen in those days who hadn't been on a council. And the people who were really helpful and to all of us really were people like Jack Doris and Peggy Leake who had been on previous councils and had the experience and were willing to share that experience. So I think it's, it's critically important, in fact, that Henry did win that election. Uh, Donald, you, you mentioned greater civic engagement and people getting involved. I wonder about that. I mean, something really struck me last night at the uh, Nexicom Lounge at Showplace when Diane Terrian called her team up onto the stage. If you had uh, given me a loony for every person over 40, I don't think I could have bought lunch, you know, and that's such a change. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a change. But your point about greater involvement, what do we make of the low voter turnout? I mean, true, we moved from 46.9% to 48.3%. That's like a 1.5%. But still, over 50% of the eligible voters didn't bother to cast a ballot. What do we... I parked my, my dead horse outside of Trent Radio tonight. And, <laughs> uh, because I, I've said the same thing virtually every time we've been on this panel. And, and that is that there is there's a great disillusionment going on with young people and politics. It, heck, with all people in politics. We, we, we take a look. We, I pointed out and will continue to point out that this is the reason why we have Donald Trump's and that we have um, Doug Ford's is there's a belief that, our, that the system is broken, that the system is not representing us in ways that uh, that are meaningful, which is how you're getting outlier candidates that are that are doing very well, why populist uh, candidates are doing very well, why bluster works, why anger works, why all these things work. I, I, I'm glad to see that we've raised our, our voter, voter turnout again, and uh, but I think there's I think there's a lot of healing to that happen. We had we had a long series of, of public consultations in Peterborough that were not really public consultations, um, and and you can't you can't get people together to come out and say what they believe and what they feel in the direction that we want to go in. And, and then do the polar opposite without any explanation and, and not feel, not, not have, uh, your constituents feel that, that they've been tuned out. And, uh, yeah, I, I think politics has a lot of healing to do. And hopefully this council is one that will usher people back to, uh, to engagement. Sylvia. I think it's important to point out though that I may be listening to you. I may be hearing you. But for reasons of my own information, and in the case of PDI, a lot of that probably couldn't be made public because it was a business involvement, etc. Mm. 
I may not simply agree with you. And I, I may also be hearing from a lot of people who aren't out at a meeting. So, the, you know, I often hear, well, you know, I, uh, you know, I dress counsel, I counselor so-and-so and didn't listen to me. I remember once it was Peggy Leak, who never often, Glenn Padgett was always, I spoke to, you know, 20 people at GE. And and the, and Peg said once uh, there was I forget what the issue was it was a committee of the whole meeting or something and and Peggy who never did this said well you know I've received a number of phone calls in this and I said Council uh, Alderman Leak I said uh, you know uh, how many phone calls do you receive well, I've received ten I said how many people live in your ward yeah ten thousand or something yeah, yeah. yeah so you know just yeah. be if you're really keen on an issue you, and if somebody doesn't agree with you after you've spoken to them, you felt they haven't heard you. And that may not indeed be the case. Uh, but I, I, I think it's – I think the onus is on politicians to uh, to absorb some of that and say, OK, well, listen, this is this is why we are doing this. Yeah. Uh, and that language that language was not there. And, and it's, it's not really an issue just with our council. This, this, is, this is an issue with – how we're moving as a, as a society. We can bring in how the internet affects this and we can bring in how discourse is failing us. But really, it, 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 there should be a certain onus on politicians to say, I hear you. Here's my response to as to why we're doing this in a way that I think is, is, is meaningful. Yeah, and a, a good politician instinctively would do that. I, uh, you know, for example, I don't think Daryl Mayor Bennett is a good politician. That's not that's not a personal criticism. It's just that, not for this day and age, and and that, that's not a criticism. It's just that he does not naturally. He's not. He's not naturally ebullient. I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Although in private, he indeed can be. And as I said the other last night, I guess, you know, there's a whole side side to all of us that people never see. Sure. And and there certainly is to Daryl Bennett. Alyssa. Uh, um now, you've worked in a few recent campaigns, and I know Sean Conway's campaign. There's Sean in his, uh, 20, let's see, 26. Uh, here's, uh, Diane Terrian, right? She's 32. What is the golden key to, I mean, there, there's two young, uh, appealing candidates, I mean, appealing to, to the, the, certainly the under 40 set. Uh, What's what's the golden key to boost that sort of enthusiasm participation? Because there are two role models that, hey, young people are involved in politics and it matters. Any thoughts? Well, if I knew the answer to that, Sean Conway would have won. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. I mean, he, he, he ran a very strong campaign. Oh, it, it was a fantastic campaign. I think one of the best that, that uh, the NDP has run in this city in a very long time. Um, and just from the back end and from the team side as well, as well as having a fantastic candidate. Right. I, I, I just we, Tim, we were jumping. I think we we made a large assumption just a few minutes ago in talking about young voters not voting, and I'd like to challenge that a little bit because I think there. I don't know. There's any way of actually you know taking a survey, but I think actually there was a greater number, a greater percentage of younger voters in this. You look at Bennett's numbers, and there were about three thousand votes less than he had in the previous election. We talked on a previous show about the Alan Wilson votes. There was a few thousand there, and you know we were trying to game it out and figure yeah. out where they're going to come from. Is it possible that Bennett lost five thousand votes, a chunk of Wilson's votes and his own votes, and they all went to? Taryn, I think there were people who were very disappointed in the PDI sale or disappointed in, in what they assumed was a very aloof and imperious council who just stayed home. Mm-hmm. I think I think some of uh, uh, Diane Taryn's margin came from a real surge in younger voters. Now, I'm not saying, you know, in the 50, 60, 70 percent, but my guess is, and the numbers suggest it very strongly, that there was a much stronger, when I say young, I'm in my 50s, right? So anything under 40, I consider young. Like that, <laughs> the, you know, that magical millennial vote that yes. everyone's been looking for and so far only Trudeau has been able to seize. I think that was partly what fueled uh, her, her margin. And I, and I tried to be really quick in, in checking myself yeah. on that. I said young and then I was at voters. And mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think I think you're right. There's, this, this is not This is not just an age thing. What, what I noticed, uh, certainly from the distance of, you know, two hours from here, in, Bo, in, in, uh, in Diane's campaign, and what I had also noticed in Sean's campaign, because I said before, it was an ex, both were excellent campaigns, and what they had, now anybody, to me, anybody under 65 is young, but, uh, <laughs> but there was an energy in those campaigns yes. that I hadn't seen in a long time. There yes. really was a, hadn't seen almost since Pierre Trudeau, but there was an energy there that, that really was impressive. 
And what, yeah, Alyssa? And I think that's one of the things that, that can help engagement is actually getting people involved in the process. So it's not just about knocking on the door and saying, can I have your vote? But it's about yeah. the, how can I get you involved in my campaign? Come out knocking on doors with me. Come to the office and have it, making sure that you have a space that people can come to where they can do some work, they can contribute, and they can actually get involved. And then that brings th- their friends to the ballot box. I think one of the most successful things we did in Sean's campaign was we had a couple nights where we, we had our, uh, our Jazzy Youth League uh, just come out uh, with their phones and text people all night. We're like, how many people can you text and message through the night? And it completely blew people away because here are those 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 young voters, not even millennials, younger than millennials, on their phones at the front of the office. And people were like, oh, here I am working and I'm calling people. And I'm like, They've, they're bringing in twice the marks that you are. Right. Call, and- calling phone lists that are old. And I think what you just touched on there is, 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 you know, it's not just the young voters, it's the young organizers and the political talent. And, you know, Sylvia, I was telling you before we got on the air, I mean, the yeoman work that, that you and that panel did on Kojiko last night and killing for time. But there was one moment, and it wasn't you, where people were trying to game it out. I think when the first votes came in, they said, well, you know, Diane's got the online vote, but Bennett's got the ground game. And I, I actually laughed out loud at my house, uh, thinking that, do you aware of the political talent that was behind Diane Tarion? And some of the campaigns. And this is when I, when I say about things that have flown under the radar in this city for the last few years is if you look at the 2014 campaign, there were three so-called progressive candidates that placed a close third. Bill yourself in, in, in Northcrest, Yocasta Boone and Monaghan Ward and Kim Zippel in Autonomy. And I, I don't think it was properly recognized at the time how close everybody got. And the thing nobody was aware of is that all the various people who worked on those campaigns got to know each other during the 2014 campaign. Um, Donald, I met you during that campaign. I met Kim Zippel. I met Diane Tarrant. I met Mary Momsef during the 2014 election. Yes. All of us kept in contact. Yes. And so the, you know, the, the, the game, the, 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 uh, the team that Diane had going uh, behind her and Sean Conway and others, it's not a fluke. This is a reality, and these are political organizers of a new generation that are really challenging the power structure in this city. And Don't some of the, no, sure, Elisa. Oh, and sorry, some of the surprise, surprising, in quotation marks, wins from last night, um, Kim Zippel and Stephen Wright, were folks who ran last time and they never stopped. Yes. Don't. Um, I, I, I'm just going to I'm going to throw the flip side out here. So I was um, I was at Gary Baldwin's um, uh, victory Swatty? headquarters uh, <laughs> last night, and uh, I was easily the, the the youngest guy in the room there, and uh, and I'm no spring chicken, and it. it I, I think the his results, his incredible results, because he he got one of the, the highest vote totals, and uh, is is incredible, was the result of just a really hard, hard. Hard work, and 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 Sylvia is making a door knocking motion. Uh, he was at every door three times. He worked his butt off, and he's just a good guy. And it, it's it's it. There there are two sides to this. There is that that youthful zeal, and there is there is that there is that charisma, and and there is you know that team play, and then there is good plain hard work. And I'm happy to see both sitting at the table when it comes to decision making processes uh, that are going to be happening happening in council, uh, because it's going to speak to multi generational attitudes, ideas, thoughts, plans, uh, and ways of doing things. Sure. Sophia. Yeah, and I, I, I don't, it's just an interjection. Uh, he, Gary, who is a good guy, and clearly worked very, very hard and had working with him going door to door, Jeff Leal. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and uh, I, I don't think it's just useful zeal, though. I think it's I think it's a way of campaigning in the modern world. You know, and uh, 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 Diane brought up her 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 data manager. You know, uh, on the stage last Look night. Look at it. It's a campaign. It, yeah, there are a lot of you know, the technology has made it a different kind of campaign. But one of the best ca- organized campaigns for many years in this town was when the Liberals, when Hugh Faulkner was a member, and that was an incredibly well organized. Yep. Uh, campaign that would stand up to any today. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, so it's it's uh, you take some credit, but not all. People have known how to. to and yeah. I don't, well, I'm, I'm personally not taking any credit. Organized <laughs> campaigns for years and years. I, and I years. agree. What Sometimes a, though, they they forget. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not saying that no suddenly fine. suddenly this this new generation has learned how to organize campaigns, but I think the city just became aware there's a new generation who know how to organize campaigns. Yeah. Oh, right. Hey, let's let's take a look at at what Sylvia was talking about herself. She'd been she'd been out of the loop. She'd been 
up north. She'd been away, and she came, and she saw this this groundswell of of support happening. This was this was a brilliant online campaign. Um, and and we talk about how Diane managed to have such a huge margin of victory. Uh, it's a great team. Uh, it's a great effort. It was great all around. But she played a great online game. And and we talked last week a little bit about how those demographics skew uh, and, and where where voters uh, and where internet users or higher level internet internet users uh, collide. And it, it's in a Diane Tarian vote. Lisa, I I would just say um, how. Having, having done data and done campaigns, the the online, it looks good during a campaign, but research bears out that people who make connection to a campaign through a Facebook post, through a Twitter post, uh, they are not the ones who get out and vote. It's it's the knocking on doors, the, fa- the face-to-face. No, no, same, same. Yeah. That's how, the, the click and vote is how we know that they've engaged with the campaign. Those are not the folks who, who we know get out and vote. The highest voter turnout, the way to get somebody to the polls is to talk face to face, either with your candidate or just a volunteer at the door. That's how you get people out. Yeah, and I, I agree. I, I, I disagree that when I talk about, you know, Diane's campaign or that, that's this magic online elixir that she had. There was just a really well-organized campaign that got their vote out. Uh, you want a good indication? Diane's signs were off the street this morning. Yes. Yes. Bennett's signs are still on the street. That's a sign of an organization. Oh, and, and I and I, I think I agree with with you there. Um, I I brought up Donald uh, is gesturing towards yeah. Sylvia. Uh, no, actually, no, towards, towards <laughs> Lisa. Because uh, okay. I I'd pointed out that 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 really Gary won that ward by his by, by his ground game, and that is huge. Uh, and I think that's important to have have both working in tandem. And and you know, is it is it going to be? The be all and end all? No, but I think it's going to be really huge alongside of a really, really strong foot game. Sylvia. Yeah, and I was so glad to hear you say that about knocking on doors. I I have always said, and I still say, the best thing you can do is knock on the door. The other thing you have to do, though, is keep track of where your vote is, and you you have to get that vote out. A lot of people go all these doors especially new people in politics, people new to politics. And so-and-so, yes, I'll support you, i support you. It doesn't do you any good if they stay at home. Right. And so, and, and clearly in this case, I suspect, in fact, that Diane, I don't know about Daryl, but Diane probably had a very good, uh, knowing some of the people who are working for her from the liberal camp, that she she probably had a pretty good game getting the, getting the voter out on election day. Well, when we talk about data, we're not talking about Facebook memes. Mm-hmm. We're talking exactly about what we're talking about. We're talking about connections to the door, cataloging it, having that information readily available on phones and tablets and, uh, throughout the city, and being able to respond instantly. That's exactly what I meant. You know, in terms of a, of a modern campaign, the same the same tropes, but using technology to do the exact same things. Just, but, but, just in passing, absolutely. though, I remember Paul Wilson and I decided to run the same year in 1985, and it was a party at Lake Wen Browns when Paul said, cornered me and said, are you going to run? And I said, yes. And are you? And he said, yes. And I gave him this feel because I had run already, uh, you know, at other levels. I said, you got to knock on doors, Paul. I don't think Paul Wilson knocked on two doors all the time he was a con- <laughs> an alderman. He ran his campaign from the Ashburnham Arms. <laughs> so there's exceptions to every rule. Well, we're... Um I think we've partially answered this question, but I was going to ask if we could take a look at the mayor's race, first of all, before we get to the ward races. So what did Tarion's campaign do right? And was there anything Bennett's campaign could have done to do better? Bennett's so it's a two-part. I think Bennett's campaign certainly could have done the social media uh uh, obviously getting vote, but this, I think the social media, that's what I saw for a month up in, in Penetang. I yes, hardly saw anything, yeah. uh, you know, from Bennett's campaign on, on, I only do Facebook, but I, I didn't see anything there. And, uh, and that certainly could, I think, have been done better. Sure. This is the second campaign where, where, uh, Bennett was very slow off the mark. Uh, he didn't have his website up and working by midsummer. He he didn't really launch his campaign. He didn't have any particular event that caught the media's attention until he did the the thing with the cops on on George Street. No, at least it, but it penetrated. What, what I'm saying though is that is that he he did not run a very good campaign, and that's no discussion set aside whether he's a good mayor or had good policies. He didn't actually go out and do and do the hard work. He almost got beaten by Mary Monsa for the same reason in 2014. He was very slow off the mark, and only what he didn't take uh, Miriam seriously at the time. 
And when he realized that Monsef was gaining on him, all of a sudden did a flurry of campaign events and started throwing up his signs in front of vacant buildings, which is his legacy of a lot of boarded up buildings with Bennett signs on them. Uh, no, I, I think that's unfair, but go ahead. Oh, it's, 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 <laughs> the, the reason, the reason, sister, I should say why I made that shot is that, that Bennett always bolstered his sign count uh, because he is a large landlord and a lot of his friends are. So if you own a building, you can put them up. So it wasn't just vacant buildings. It was rental properties where poor people looked out and realized all of a sudden they had a Bennett sign in front of their lawn. Oh, and, okay. I, and I think having doing things like having a Bennett sign in, in the window of the Greyhound building, I, I think I think that that actually turned off a lot of people who may in fact have been a, a Bennett voter. I mean, that's Greyhound is is it's you know it's a private it's a private business, but at the same time it's a public transportation that people are using to get around and uh, you know moves like that. Do probably more harm than good. Well, it's what it's what Sylvia said last time. It was a great point. Is that yeah. if you're putting your signs in those places, it means you don't have houses to put those signs up. <laughs> Mind you, I can remember uh, the year that I was on really on the outs with Aon, and uh, it was Len Vass who was running against me was a major candidate that year. And uh, I didn't realize how many properties Ross Smith owned because <laughs> every time I turned around at a plaza, or a, you know, there was a vast sign. <laughs> but, uh, but the other part of that story is my husband and I had bought the house I'm currently living in uh, before David retired and rented it out. And the year I was running against Bill Dom, uh, the, the tenant in the lower in the lower flat. In fact, was a conservative, and I drove by our house one day, and here I'm running against Bill, and here's a huge Dom sign on the lawn, <laughs> and I said to David, "You know, is she allowed to do that?" And David said, "Well, you know, it's not worth fighting it." Sure, sure. Uh, shall we look at the ward races? We have the five. Start at the south end of the city, Autonomy. Kim Zippel and Leslie Parnell are our our ward uh, councillors. Uh, surprises, or was this people saw this coming? There was a reason why I. I I'm sorry. There, 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 there's a reason why I mentioned Kim Zippel's name the last time we had a show. Is and it wasn't based on the signs. It was based on the campaign that she was running. Kim Kim Zippel is. A, a, an integral part of that community. And I've, I've crossed paths with her in so many different places. My daughter went to Prince of Wales School. She helps with the school lunch programs. She also helped with the Rotary, Rotary Spelling Bee. Uh, she mentors students from Kenner uh, in the political process. She's one of these people who do very well in municipal politics because she's been out and actually doing stuff for 20 years. Right. Uh, she's a very smart, very well-educated woman as well and knows her stuff. So that I, I think that was the dynamic in... She was a very different politician than, than the ones out there. The only person who uh, was similar to her in that sort of appeal actually was Leslie Purnell, who, again, identifies herself as a neighborhood person. That That's kind of her brand. Right. It's going to be interesting to watch the dynamic between the two ward councillors. Hmm. Because there's not, uh, you know, I, I go back to the days of Glenn Padgett and, and Jeff Leal. They were joined at the hip. And the North End fellows have been too. But I, I think there's there's not necessarily going to be that degree of comfort between the two of them. And it'll be interesting to see. That could be a good thing or not, you know. But I, I yeah. just, it's going to be interesting to watch that. Brock, Brock Grills, I, I'm really impressed with his showing. Really, um, again, first-time candidate, um, uh, younger person uh, jumping out uh, got fourteen hundred votes. Um, yeah, he, he called me, Brock. Uh, several of them called me, but I was very, you know, he called me a couple of times. Yeah. and um, he, he's, you know, he should stick with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and that seems to be a key insight that people often approach running for council as I'm going to try this. When really, well, Sylvia, you would know of all of us. It takes some time. For most of us, it takes two or three times. I mean, you're the exception, but two or three cracks at, cracks at it. I mean, Dave Hickey, how many times did he campaign? He got in third time. And Gary Baldwin tried twice, got in second time. So it's Jeff Leo got in second time. Second. He ran, he yeah. lost. Lisa. First. Yeah, and Keith didn't get in until... Keith didn't get in until his third time in Ashburnham either. It was third. In- oh. Interesting. I didn't know that. Ah. Okay. Uh, mo- when, when I joined his campaign. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just saying. <laughs> okay. Uh, Monaghan Ward. Uh, we have Don Vassalatis and Henry Clark. Surprise? Expected? Uh, the, the order uh, yep. was a bit of a surprise. But oh. then when you sat back and thought about the positions of that, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the, the flipping of the, of the uh, positions, I was surprised by it. 
Yeah, I, I'm feeling quite proud that I made so many correct calls. I didn't make that one. I, and the reason is is because of the change in the ward boundaries as well. You know, Town Ward moved into sort of the Queen Mary uh, area, yes. which was part of Monaghan. And that was a territory that was you know more urban, more downtown. It was a place where Don Vassiliadis had a lot of votes in the last election. So I thought if there was going to be an upset, I thought Don was going to make it. But I thought it would be Je- uh, Jeff Westlake nipping at Don's heels. I didn't see that. And... Don Vassiliadis is one of the most intriguing figures in Peterborough politics because he, as far as I know, maybe this election he's going out knocking on doors a lot more. He doesn't really get himself out that more, but there's – I don't know the man either – but there's something that he does that obviously appeals to people because his support has grown, yes. his, uh, grown since the last election. And uh, to top Henry Clark in votes is, is, is one of the biggest uh, stories of the election. Uh, yeah, Don, Don's a community guy. I mean, and you see him in a lot of places. You see him you know, selling stuff at Mark. He's, like, he's everywhere. I think I've, uh, we were talking off air about the fact that, that Henry didn't get to as many doors or, or to his doors as he, often as he, yeah. he could have. He did every street in his ward. Yeah. But maybe not with the gusto. Did you say that he was? Uh... Uh, well, his wife. His wife was very ill the last uh, couple of weeks, yeah. mm. and uh, but no, they they started very early. What Don had, uh, I think that Henry doesn't. I think Henry and Donna do a lot of it themselves. Henry and his wife Donna, and Don had a real team out there uh, mm. working uh, working uh, for him. But Henry Clark does put a lot of energy into his campaign, mm-hmm. in that that's a big ward and it's growing all the time, and they literally do every street. Isn't her handle uh, Council Widow on Twitter? Or is that Facebook? I don't Twitter. I I, I think Donna's a Council Widow. Now, in Monaghan Ward, I was, um, am I alone? Maybe I am alone in being surprised how well Jeff Westlake did. Uh, I don't know Jeff at all, so I watched uh, Taylor Clydesdale's uh, video. Uh, He he did 26 of the 27 candidates, and uh, I learned a lot. But I was surprised. It was the Conservative Party. He's He's been identified with the Conservative Party since he was in the president of Adam Scott in high school. I mean, we're, we're, we're to be neutral on this panel. I, I'm happy Jeff Westlake isn't on council. Uh, some of his behavior in past elections, uh, impersonating uh, Jeff Leal and making phone calls to try to disrupt liberal voters in a previous provincial election. I hope Jeff Westlake grows up and maybe he's maturing and could actually be a good representative. The treatment he he dealt constituents when he was the office manager for Dean Del Mastro was reprehensible, and I hope he's growing up. And maybe this this will make him into a better person. You must learn to say what you mean. <laughs> Sorry, no, I, it, the, he he tried to interfere in a provincial election. For those who don't know, he called up liberal supporters in a previous provincial election, identified himself as Jeff, which is his name, but the intent was to make it sound like he was Jeff Leal. And he was trying to distract and confuse liberal voters. And when confronted with it afterwards, he thought it was all a big joke. That was the culture of Dean Del Mastro when he was our MP. What though. election was that? How long ago? Three cycles ago, I believe. The federal. Yeah, no, sure. provincial. He, oh, prov- he was calling up as if he was Jeff Leal. All right. Monaghan. From Monaghan, we moved to Town Ward. Uh, Pappas and Acapo as our elected uh, councillors. Surprises there? I No surprises. The yeah. results... Um, the, the, the outcome, the results, though, are huge. I think yeah. the fact that Kemi, Kemi managed to blow Jim out of the water, um, I think, was is very surprising and just speaks, again, to having the importance of having a team and having an organization and, and putting in the work. And having a good candidate, too. I thought I had predicted that she'd uh, top the poll, actually. I was wrong on that, but I thought there was you know, a possibility that that might happen. Right. Um, I, I, I had Dean where Dean was, and um, I think he's he's so comfortable in that seat that it would be almost impossible to dislodge him. Kemi, uh, un- unbelievably, uh, did, she did so well. But we also we also wondered early on in this panel whether whether Jim's heart was completely in this election or not, or if his maybe his sights are on another election. Tim, there's another thing that comes out of town ward in this in this writing. First of all, I just could give a little shout out to, to Dean. Dean won more votes than anybody else, and I yeah. think it's first time he's ever done it. Uh, so good on him. But I, the so town, <laughs> I know. I, I, you know what, Sylvia? I agreed with you as well. I, I, I they, they both did well. But I think something has changed in the political makeup in town ward in that the. The businesses, I think, had a greater percentage of the votes in the past because Town Ward has broadened further west. There used to be much more influence by the business owners and whom they chose to vote for uh, in, in the past. Uh, we came up last time, you know, a candidate like Bill Juby was, was largely supported by the downtown businesses. There was suspicion that maybe Jenny Lancio as well had a lot of support in the business community. But 
and and certainly the business owners downtown have a legitimate reason to vote in town ward. I'm not I'm not saying there's a problem with that, but I think their percentage share is diminishing as town ward grows. Well, I will also say I think that there's a demographic shift happening too with business owners, and right, so yeah. they might not they might not own their buildings, but if you're yes. looking at the small businesses downtown, you're looking at mm-hmm. you're looking at arts businesses, you're looking at like small local focused and so those are the ones who are supporting the arts crawls the, like it's it's getting a lot more hipster right. it's uh, a lot younger. Just, just a question though Don't. um when, when if we're looking at population numbers and population for lack of a better term density how do you compare business owners to to residents uh when it comes to numbers i'm, I'm not sure yeah, we're, we're all we're all going. Well, the, the, and, and the business owners Alyssa talks, but also happen to live in Town Ward, so. Yeah. <laughs> so they can. yeah. All right, we uh, we have uh, under ten minutes left. We have two wards to go. So Ash Burnham, we have Gary Baldwin and Keith Riel uh, reelected. I think as predicted last yeah. time. Yeah, but this it? time it flipped, did it not? It did flip. Yes, Gary headed the polls. Gary Gary yeah. headed the polls. Any surprises or confirmations? Uh, Sorry, uh, disclosure. I worked on Keith's campaign. I was his outreach and his data manager. Uh, so I have lo- lots of thoughts. Uh, I guess what I would share is, I mean, no surprise that both of them won. Um, both, I think, also. So not only were they incumbents, and so they got that bump, but I think that they were also the ones who worked the hardest in this campaign. Yeah, I think so. They they both are. They are both war horses. To to, to. yeah. They they uh, they. Uh, it's really incredible. I think there, there's no surprise that they were there. My surprises actually were that uh, that that Sheila and and Paul did not have a bit bigger numbers. Uh, when you started looking at signs, Sheila, Sheila was mostly in a few blocks in Oldie City, um, but not once you got into that, that core there. Uh, and you didn't see her signs on um, a, diver- a diversity of doors. Uh, so on a lot more rundown houses, there were, there were, uh, there were Gary signs and there were Keith signs, but, uh, but Sheila wasn't there. And, and I, I, I don't know how much effort Paul put in. He, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of momentum that I saw, at least in, in my areas of East City. Okay. With um, that on Ash Burnham, let's move finally to Northcrest. Andrew Beamer, who who we more or less penciled in, but then Stephen Wright. How did he pull this off? What was his secret? Uh, he clear, I suspect he clearly worked at it for three or four years as well. Ah. He's very personable uh, he, when he, he comes is. to the door. I think uh, Dave Hakey, who, you know, really, I think, did a good job as a counselor there and loved being a counselor and, and certainly tried off enough to become one. I think Dave may have run, I don't know how common knowledge it was, but he was in increasingly in conflict situations yes. because he's a co-owner at DNS Realty. Yes, and uh, and uh, so uh, no, I had re- uh, in the poll. I rather thought that Stephen Wright had a, a chance at it. Wonderful, Lisa. And and we're going to talk about like the back end stuff. Stephen, I live in Northcrest. Stephen showed up at my door uh, and he said, "I know I had your vote last time. I hope I have your vote this time. And can I get a sign this time?" Yeah. And so again, like the importance of data and like yeah. and knowing your stuff and and doing yes. that work. Yes. Yeah, Northcrest is. You know, present company accepted. Uh, you know, probably the, most, the more conservative part of, part of uh, of, of the city. Um, no, and, and I have been known to refer to it as my vast and barren wasteland. Yes, yes. <laughs> and 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 and, and Stephen ran well in Northcrest. Oh. <laughs> and Stephen Wright is a is a conservative. He's a fiscal conservative. I believe he was involved in the Taxpayers Federation. And this is a guy who really pays attention to budgets. On the other hand, he comes from more of that PC model. He comes from you know the small C conservative. He had a lot of issues with the way development was happening. The way that uh, certainly the Northcrest councillors were allowing development to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, he felt that uh, local suppliers, local builders, other people were getting shut out. There was not enough input and transparency. Uh, interesting, you know, these two upsets, both Zippel and Wright, part of what they talked about was respect for the taxpayer and transparency. And, they, and those messages worked in autonomy in Northcrest. Also, if I could just interject, um, taking off my... Uh facilitator hat for a moment. Northcrest, I discovered, has Alyssa, um, you you may have observations on this, has a a, a level of almost invisible, if not poverty, uh, definitely economic struggle. I I remember going, when I was campaigning, going up to doors that I thought, oh, there's a single family house, getting up there and discovering there are four mailboxes. 
Uh, and uh, there is that sort of undercurrent of uh, sort of quiet desperation almost up there that I think uh, perhaps Stephen managed to speak to. Well, and, and, I, and I was going to point out, uh, I think one of the reasons for Stephen's success is, uh, is he's, he's warm and, and personable. And, he, yes. uh, and so if you're working that hard and you're working that whole electoral cycle for that next election because you're not you're not an incumbent and and you have a, a personality that's that's warm and infectious well you know that's that's that does a whole lot you know donald you raised such an interesting point i i was uh, helped out in miriam's uh, 2015 campaign her federal campaign and accompanied her to event an event and for me going to door to door was like going to the dentist i said okay i'll i'll do it but let's you do the two hours and stop you know and watching miriam at this uh, it was a picnic of some group Meet new people and genuinely enjoy meeting new people. And a light bulb went off for me. I said, Bill, you can't do that. You know who, you know who else was really tough right with that? Was Peter Adams. Yeah. Oh, Peter of could, course. You know, he worked a crowd like no one I yes. ever knew. Yes, yes. I'd like to think that Peter uh, would have uh, would have enjoyed this uh, this election and this council, uh, and I, I think it harkens back a little bit to uh, some of the leadership that was happening in in Peterborough uh, when when Sylvia was mayor and when Peter was MP. I think that we're we're going to see uh, more civility. I think we're going to see more open debate. I, I, I'm hoping that we're seeing going to see more of a community emphasis. Um, so it was good to bring up Peter. And just on that, yes, uh, that was a, in my opinion, the golden age in my experience of Peterborough was was that time. Um, I, I think one lesson from this election, though, is that things have things have changed, and I don't mean that all of a sudden it's going you know, to totally flip the switch. But I think under the surface, something's been bubbling in the city for a while, and it shouldn't surprise us. If you look at urban ridings all across Ontario, they're usually represented by Liberal and NDP members. You know, the the the, in, the inside of every city over about seventy five thousand has become more progressive in nature, and it's happening very, very quickly. We shouldn't be surprised this has happened in Peterborough. What's surprising is it took this long to happen at municipal level. Alyssa? Uh, my final thought wanted to be, and I think maybe speaks against what you just said, but we, we cannot forget the fact that a neo-Nazi won 25,000 votes in the city of Toronto, came in third place. I think we, we're, we're feeling a real glow here, but the only fact we didn't have a neo-Nazi running for our city council is literally two of our candidates drummed them out of the city last year. So, and I think we, we feel a glow here. We know that mm. there is a movement here, but we, we need to be aware there, there is a rising ugliness in, a, in politics that we need to confront and we need to challenge at every single point. Last words, please. I, I agree. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I mentioned before, there's, uh, there's a mood for change out there. And in most instances, the change has been to the right. Donald? Uh, I haven't seen uh, Peterborough Party like it has uh, last night in a long, long time. People from East City actually came across the river yeah, I, to join us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dogs playing with cats. The, the, the lions dogs. laying down with the lambs. <laughs> All right. And on that note, thank you so much, uh, Tim, Donald, uh, Alyssa, Sylvia. Uh, appreciate your time. And we will just sign off with saying our schedule for next week. We'll hold a panel on urban design and planning. Tentative guest list includes Cheryl Lyon, Ian Atteridge, uh, Sarah Cullingham, and Ben Wolfe. And in two weeks' time, we'll be talking about practice actions we can take in Peterborough to respond to climate change. And please join us again every Tuesday evening, 9 o'clock on Trent Radio, 92.7 on your dial. And if you miss us on the radio, you can download the show next day at um, pintsandpolitics.ptbopodcaster.ca. Until next week, this is Bill Templeman. Have a great week.